from Nashville, Tennessee, and broadcasting around the world. You have now crossed over to the far side. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, I'm going to make this short and sweet because it is live. Tonight, we are going to be talking with Karen A. Dahlman about our latest book, The Spirit of Alchemy, which you can find at Amazon.com or thefarside.tv slash alchemy. And without further ado, let me get Karen back on the line here. And Karen, welcome back to The Far Side. Hi, Bob. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for having me again. This is a quite a treat to come back. It's a treat to have you back here. Thank you. Well, we'll have fun tonight. Oh, I, I'm certain we will with as much caffeine as I have. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm a Mexican jumping bean or two or three. Perfect. So, that is perfect. There's nothing better. <laughs> now, the last... <laughs> we brought you on to speak about your latest book, but when we last spoke, you were going to the Ouija Con. How did that oh, yes. turn out? WeijaCon was a great success. Lots of people were there from all over the place. We even had uh, researchers fly in from Denmark. Um, but it was it was wonderful because there you had all these people that are interested in collecting the boards, uh, showing their boards. We had a museum there of, of many different boards throughout the years, including the planchettes that we work, how we use the board is how it communicates. And we had um, some really fun speakers and presentations and I was one of the speakers, and I was thrilled to do that and to meet all these people that were really into the Ouija board like I am, and it went really well, and there's rumors about another one possibly coming up in the near future, so <laughs> I will definitely be keeping everybody posted about that on my website as that information comes forth, but it was a great success, and the, the only sad part and down part about the whole weekend when we were in Baltimore, Maryland, was that that was when the riots had broken out and there was a lot of unrest in the city. So that was, a, that was sad and a lot of tragedy. Um, but we were able to do our show and we're able to get out of time before it got too bad, mm -hmm. <laughs> before it got really bad. But thank goodness um, things have really uh, been working themselves out over there. Oh, I know. My own wife, she was supposed to attend an, an event in uh, Maryland. They actually canceled it because of that. Mm. It was that I'm bad. not surprised. It was bad. It was just a couple blocks from around us. We we had riders go walk around the hotel. You see them at night. It it was it was a little scary. It I, it was, and I I've really my heart goes out to that community there. How scary it must have been for everybody there involved in it. Mm -hmm. Now, Karen, I know you've written two previous books before this one, and now you've got the spirit of alchemy as your third. When I think of alchemy, it's usually about turning some other type of metal into gold. But after reading your book, that's not what you're talking about, is it? Well, um, yes and no, because I feel like we have leaden things in our life, things that weigh us down in our life that we can also transform and transmute into golden opportunities. So I, I, I stick with the alchemical theme and the practice of alchemy, um, which is based on the metachemistry of, of alchemy. And then there's also another form of alchemy known as more of a philosophical, spiritual alchemy. But what's really cool, Bob, about alchemy and um, when you start re really researching and getting in and learning about and getting into the history of it is that when these, these, uh, wonderful, um, people that were, that were working with this, the power of the, of the metals, the lead metals and the base metals and transforming it into gold, they, as they did this process, they started noticing that within themselves, they started transforming as well. 
And what I mean by that is that they started finding out that they had more empowerment within them. And the whole goal of a philosophical um, alchemy is to begin to merge back with your grand, grandest self within or your higher self so that you, you too can know the divinity of yourself. And so as it is with metals, to try to pull out that goldenness of that metal, it's the same thing we do with ourselves. So we, when we have, as everybody does in life, we have situations that are not very easy and they're very heavy. And this book talks about how to transmute, thus transform those things within our life by doing what the alchemists do. And, and so I take you through the book on how to you practice what the alchemists taught and, and knew what to do, but put it in, into practical terms and, and modern day terms so that you, we too can begin exploring our own golden opportunity and goldenness about ourselves. So we are, we are the gold. Hmm. <laughs> we are the gold. We have to find that gold within ourselves. Yes. You know, lately we had talked about this prior to coming on air here in Tennessee, we've had quite a few events happening. One in Chattanooga, that massive shooting that killed several military veterans. And then we had one, I guess it was just a couple of days ago, in Antioch of an individual going into a movie theater with a hatchet and a realistic-looking BB pistol. And he, he went in and pretty much started hacking people with his hatchet. Mm. It, it really seems, as I mentioned to you before, it really seems to me that something is missing from some of our lives. I don't know if the world is becoming more about itself. The people are like, it's all about what I want. And because of that, they're losing the most important aspect, the love, the compassion. And w w without that, they're turning into these creatures that's, I'm not going to say less than human, but they really don't act like they should. Yeah, it's it's horrible. We we continue to hear and be bombarded by all these events that are happening, as you just mentioned, a, a few of them, and they're they're happening everywhere around the world. We keep hearing about this. Yeah, I, I think we've lost touch with our soul. I think we've lost lost touch with our interconnectivity with everybody else, and so we do be start to feel isolated, and that that our that our behaviors don't really affect others. And, and sometimes in the, in the worst extreme cases, they don't infect, they think they don't even affect the person themselves that are, that are acting out. So it's, it, it to me, it's a, it's a um, issue of a grander scale. It's an issue, uh, issue of a collective consciousness of our soul. Have we become so soulless or disconnected from that part of ourselves where we, where we, where we know each other, where we, where we feel our connectivity? And I think we have. I, I think um, in, in one regards, we, we, it's incredible to have our internet and our technology and social media, and I, and I love it. And then on the other hand, it's easy to hide behind it and not interact with people face-to-face -face anymore. It's very, you go anywhere you go, you see people just typing on their phones and their pads, tablets, and what have you, as opposed to really interacting with somebody at dinner. If they're sitting across from each other, you know, in a restaurant, you see it all the time. And so we really need to start having face-to-face, -face, the personal interaction, not forget our humanness in all of this technology. Technology is fabulous, and I'm all for it. In fact, I helped develop technology and tele telecommunications industry. I'm all for it. But we can't forget our humanness, and the, the part of us, that, uh, our humanity, where we are able to reach out and really feel somebody when we're with them, as opposed to block them by tapping on our, our keyboards. It, that just makes everything impersonal. And when things are Im impersonal to people, it's so much easier to do these horrific events, horrific things. 
Mm-hmm. It certainly is. I've got friends who are married, and they barely talk to each other. What they'll do, they'll get on mm-hmm. their uh, iPhones, Android devices, whatever, and they'll text. And yeah. th- that's how that's how <laughs> they communicate. I guess that's a great way to save your marriage. You're not really opening your mouth, but hey, you know. <laughs> Well, I will say if they weren't talking at all, to at least start there, that might be kind of a, a way, a segue back into having that real communication. Where we're human and a human nature, we still want that interaction, the physical, the in-the-person interaction. That is, it's missing in a lot of our lives. And um, yeah, you know, that, that's kind of humorous on one side, but if that's all they do, I, I would be concerned about their marriage. I'd be concerned about their friendship. I would be concerned about their own relationship to themselves. That's what you're, what they're doing is cutting that, cutting that off from themselves mm-hmm. so they do become more about me 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 being alone yeah i'm alone i'm alone and you hear that from people a lot a lot of people feel like they're alone and you hear a lot about the suicides and and like these terrible killings and they're very it's 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 just being able to take lives and li- and alive and your own lives without thinking there are really consequences because people do feel alone it's it, again. I don't think it, I don't blame any one person for this. I I put it at the helm or at the center of of our collective unconscious or our collective um, humanness that is beginning to experience this as we pull more and more away from each other. Yes, there is certainly a grave disconnect in our humanity. It, it seems like yes. it's getting worse and worse as we progress forward. It, it's it's almost like we're going backwards instead of forward. In a spiritual sense, yeah. On some levels, we are, and then you know, you'll, you then you'll hear in other um, subcultures where they're really moving forward um, proactively through using social media to connect with others. So you see both sides of it. And I think with any kind of change and, and technology changes so rapidly that it's sometimes it's hard to keep up with. And we do, when we catch up to it, we're like, oh, okay, now what's next? And, and we just spend all of our time on YouTube, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or something like that. And not that that's bad. It's just that there's, we also, our human side of us really needs this other experience with people. Yes. And so we can't forget this. So I, I, I really suggest we don't forget that and, and to continue to develop ourselves, our spirituality in terms of our interconnectivity to others and reach out. And what, what, what can I do to help others? What can I do to, to help my neighbor next door? Or what can I do to, to help the people I see at the, in the grocery store in line? You know, what, what, can I, what can I give? Not what can I get. What can I give? And sometimes it's just a smile. It's just that interaction that people need. And sometimes that's enough for somebody to feel like, wow, I'm being noticed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a, I actually matter to somebody. So I, I think about that a lot and I try to practice that in my own life. And I encourage others to, you know, think about that as well. And, you know, my, my third book does get into that, how to interact more within your, your realm, within your world. So you begin to see the synchronistic events and the, and the interconnectivity of it all and, and, and how it really has always been there. We just haven't opened our eyes to it. And when we start to open our eyes to it, we begin to welcome, welcome more and more of this magical uh, interconnectivity, synchronistic events, and mystical experiences to happen because they're all around us. And that allows us, this kind of spiritual work allows us to feel connected back, connected back to ourself and connected back to others. Yes. I've always believed that I am pretty well connected with the other side, no matter what you call it. I believe in helping anybody that needs help, whether it's a human being or an animal. When my wife and I first started dating, Many, many years ago. I'm not going to go into that, but (laughs) we left her house one day for dinner, came back, and I noticed that 
there were baby birds that, that weren't even able to fly, just laying all over her yard. I guess it had somehow gotten knocked down from the house, the whole bird nest. So I picked them up, and we started nursing them back to health. And that oh. is the very oh. <laughs> meaning of being spiritually aware and being connected. It's not about helping your best friend or helping, you know, someone that you really like. It's about helping, period. Everybody and yeah. everything is connected here. That's what I believe. I agree. And you, and you reached out to these helpless little creatures. And that, that's, yeah, so that's, that's the point. There's many different ways we can reach out and um, kind of get out of our own focus. And then as we do that, we start to feel not so alone. And, and and it's a, it's a beautiful story, you know, to help with the birds. I, I, I too, I, I, I love the animals so much and I, I, and I love the people too, but, but the animals I usually find, you know, sometimes they need help and it's great. I, I have a lot of birds in my backyard and I'm often, you know, keeping my eye on them to make sure and found a baby dove once and helped it or, or feral cats and helped them. And it's just, um, yeah, that's, that's a part of it too. I mean, we're all in this together. We're all connected, yes. including the animals. Yes. including all life forms. And, and I remember I came back to my then girlfriend's house about, I guess it was several weeks later, and she was crying, and I asked, well, what's going on? She said, one of the birds got eight. Apparently a oh. raccoon ate one of the birds. So um, oh. I, I felt bad about that, but the other one, its mother came back and helped it fly. So that was good. Uh, one yeah. lived, the other one not so much. Well, that's that's what it's like in the wilds. I mean, and that's the that's the life that they signed up for. I mean, that's that's what, you know, they're they're wild animals, and that's what happens. Yes. But yeah, it's still sad. It's nice to see that we have <laughs> compassion, and you feel it. <laughs> it reminds you of your own compassion. So the animals have a lot to teach us about compassion. Yeah, I just wanted to add that in there. You know, it was all nice and sweet till that part. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was sounding good until you got to the part where the bird died. He was eating. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> that's life. Uh, you know what I found interesting? In, in, in the very beginning of your book, you admitted that when you first began writing it, writing The Spirit of Alchemy, that you were actually uh -huh. writing with the focus on women. It was for women about women. How was that version different from the one you've published? Oh, wow. Quite, um, quite a bit different, you know, and, and that's a great point. The writing of this book, the story behind the writing of this book is, is quite uh, incredible and fascinating and um, really pushed me <laughs> to, to, some, to, to some extremes because I had been researching for two years um, and I was really writing about um, the alchemical woman and how for women to reclaim that, their empowerment. And it, it, would, it was involving, of course, alchemy, but it would have been written from just one perspective as opposed to including the, the, the divine masculine, which is just as important. But, I, but that book I could have definitely written, and I still have all my notes from it, um, more for women empowerment. But as I was exploring and writing, writing, writing this book, I received a message from my spirit guides and they said, you know, you're probably not going to hear us tell you this, but this book now cannot just be for one gender. It must include all. So you need to, you need to write this book for men and women and write it from a perspective that as you were talking about the the divine feminine re regaining and recovering and remembering her own empowerment, how about the men? It's important for them to remember their empowerment. And and seems like one of the things that's that this is what they're telling me. Seems like one of the things that's going on in the world is that many have forgotten the divine feminine in their life. That part of them that's more 
tied into people, that's more compassionate, that has more empathy, that reaches out. It's just as we were discussing. This is the part that we were talking about, Bob, where I feel like we're missing in the world. This When we, we get so con- just lost in our own stuff and we forget that we're connected with the people, that's the divine feminine. And so as I wrote this book, they, they said, you really, you're really going to have to include both. And I thought, you're absolutely right. That was six months before my publishing deadline. And I just go, oh gosh, I'm going to need some major help now. <laughs> major help <laughs> to be able to get this to really shift this book. Um, lots of research, uh, lots of research I set aside, and then a lot of it I was able to, to use. And ultimately what the book became is really a balance of the energies within ourselves, both the um, masculine, divine masculine energies, which is really more of assertive, more aggressive, goes what it want, goes after what it wants, goes goes forward, is uh, pushing, is open, where the divine feminine is more receptive, receiving, she waits, she's patient. And and within our lives, when we just get stuck in one of those areas with, and, and a lack of, with the lack of the other, we're really missing out of, of the grandness of ourselves. And to really get back into our interconnectivity of all, we need to interconnect those two major facets within ourselves, the divine feminine and divine masculine. And they show up in these characteristic ways I was mentioning of behaviors, of feelings, of actions. And as we begin to find ways to put those together, it's not like they're equally balanced. It's like they're on on a continuum. And on this continuum, we may shift to more being sometimes more assertive and out there in the world and going after your goals and dreams. And other times you may need to be more patient and receptive to allow those dreams to unfold and welcome them into your life. And so you kind of go between those two continuums until you find your own happy medium, and that will always change. And so this book um, opened up to that, and I thought this is a book for just anybody. It's not just for one, again, one gender. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned how some of your friends helped you. And the last time we spoke, you had talked about how you had friends that reached out to you through the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I remember something about a trinity of friends in your life that they've been there <laughs> for a very long time. Yes, the trinity, yes. Who or what make up the portion of this trinity? Yeah, I call it my trinity. It's the sun, the moon, and healing spirit. Now, what's really fascinating about that, they they don't really have names. It's just that there's a there's groups of, of energies of, you could call them, uh, groups of collective beings, of collective souls who have never been incarnated. And one group is more of the feminine energy. Uh, it moves, it comes in, comes in on the corner of my Ouija board where the moon is. And so when I, I first met them in 1994, they said, the name is not important. You can call us what you want. And I said, I'm going to call you the moon because you entered at the moon. And they said, we like that. And their energy had always been one of really smooth on the, when a planchette moves around. And it's very, they're emotional. They like to to dig into the depths of my psyche. They like to, when people come to my sessions, they like to ask questions and, and probe and make us really reflect and think about things and to recall things within ourselves where when the, the energies that come through in the sun, and again, the same thing, they have no name. They're really androgynous. And they said, you can call us what you like. So I said, since you guys enter in the, by the sun on, on the Ouija board, I'm going to call you the sun. And when the sun comes through, it definitely feels like a masculine energy. And it's very determined. It's definite. It says things directly. It's it's 
it's to the point and it comes through very much like the masculine energies. Now, what's interesting about that, Bob, is that at this time I wasn't focusing so much on balancing masculine and feminine energies in my life in 1994. This is something I've been working on more recently in my life, uh, probably in the last, oh, 10 years and more, more importantly in the last five to six years. And so they had set it up already in the beginning when they came through and were communicating with me to talk to me on these different levels of masculine energy, feminine energy, without me even really being consciously aware of it. That's what's really cool about it. So then the other part of the Trinity is healing spirit. Um, and healing spirit, um, it's quite tricky because healing spirit, the initials are HS. And HS also stands for higher self. So the Trinity really includes my higher self, which is also known as healing spirit, which is my, my, my grander self. I'm talking to my higher self on the board and then also including the masculine and the feminine energies, which are really a collective group of souls. Now, they're an aspect of me, but they're also a larger, greater part of me and they're separate from me, except for my higher self is really the greater part of me. And we all have this higher self. So that's why I call it the, the Trinity um, kind of a pun on Catholicism and, and not to, to make fun of it, but just a pun, a play on words, because I was raised Catholic. We always said the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's also another HS word. Just so happens mine came through as healing spirit and finally revealed itself to me as my higher self and that it, healing spirit is higher self. And I talk a lot about that in the book, as you know, Bob. Mm -hmm. Now, when you speak of higher self, are we somehow breaking away from our higher self anytime that we come back, whether it's through reincarnation or any other form, that our higher self is almost like a parent? And when we break away, or whatever you might want to call it, are we kind of like the seeds of our higher self? Wow, that's a great question because it, there's so many different directions I can go with this, but but to, to try, try to answer you know, straightforward right now. I'll be the masculine energy. <laughs> to answer directly straightforward is uh, we never leave, our higher self never leaves us. We never leave the higher self. But to explain further with more of my feminine energy, I have to tell more of a, a little more information to that. Our higher self is our greater part of ourself. It's, it's contained within our body, but it expands way out into infinity. Now, how do we imagine that? It's the part that the alchemists were searching for within themselves so they connect so they could could connect back to source. Higher self is your spark within you. The alchemists called it the eternal flame within yourself. And it's the eternal flame, a signature of God within you. And it, the, higher, the higher self is that eternal flame, is that signature of God within you. So you are an aspect of source. Experience itself in density when we come back to incarnate in physical form. And so we never, our self can never leave us. You, that's that's going to be your best friend throughout eternity. You can't escape it. It can't escape you. And I say it because it, sometimes we refer to our higher self as a he or a she. It just depends how you feel. Truly, it's just a part of you. That's You don't have to see it as, as being a gender. See it as an energy form or a light that you're connected to. And I, I love that you asked this question, Bob, because do, you know, do, do we leave it? Do, do, do we kind of disconnect from it? Or those really weren't your words. But, but what happens is through, when, we're, when we're in our incarnation, like right now, you're Bob Bain, I'm Karen Dahlman. And right now, you, you know when you're connected to your higher self. And I'd really like to share that with your audience. And, and this, this helps them get in tune with their higher self more often. And you also know when you're not connected to your higher self. You may not be quite aware of how to determine that, but I'd like to 
to make some suggestions on how to do that. May I do that, Bob? Sure. Okay. When you are connected with your higher self, meaning you're in concert, my spirit friends call it being plugged in. It's like there's an outlet and you have this cord and your cord's not plugged into the outlet or when you're plugged in, it is plugged into the outlet and then the energy, the current flows. Okay. So when you're not plugged in, things feel disconnected. Like we're talking about these, these people, they're not connected to their higher self. Their higher self exists but they're not listening or not taking guidance. We all go through our life day, throughout the day and disconnect and connect and disconnect and connect. You disconnect when you're feeling there's, there's no way out. You can't get an answer. You're frustrated. Uh, nothing seems to work out. You don't know what to do next. Oh my God, this is, this is a horrible day. You're connected when you go, wow, I just had an epiphany. Oh my gosh, I just had a really cool idea. Or when you're feeling great joy, really happy, um, you're, you're excited about life. All the feelings that lift you up in your energy, so that you feel lift you are uplifting to you, that is you in concert, connected, plugged in to your higher self. And when you're not, you feel those other feelings that don't feel so good. And so it's always the choice we have. And this is what I'm learning from my higher self when I communicate with my higher self is that we can make that choice in the moment. Yes, things are hard. Yes, we do feel disconnected. Yes, we do have hardship and that's just given in life. And it's not that it's bad or I'm not, I hate using that word even. It's not that you're not supposed to go explore that when it happens or to feel that. It's that you can shift that feeling. You can shift that exploration out of the darkness that you feel at times back into the light where you feel these higher vibrational uh, energies of feelings and emotions. And it's through a choice. Now, I know for me, sometimes I can just think it through, but other times I can't. I get stuck. And so what I have to do is to use my techniques, whether it's meditation, whether it's deep breathing, whether it's turning on some music and dancing, whether it's singing, whether it's getting in my car and going for a drive, whether it's petting my animals or calling a friend or visiting with somebody or swimming in my pool. I think of all the things I can do that help me shift my energy energy. And every time you shift, every time you learn to shift, the quicker you'll be able to stay out of that darkness and move into this, this realm of being connected to your higher self. Now, why is that so important? Why it's so important is that when you're connected to your higher self, you have this automatic guide that knows where you're going, knows where you've been in all your incarnations, and knows what your, your, your desires are within you and can help you find those, open up to them, allow them to show themselves to you, to allow it to flow to you and through you as you connect more and more of yourself. And so it's about going through your day and really trying to keep reminding yourself to realign with the feelings that allow you to feel good. And that's when you're connected back in. And from the space of feeling good and aligning yourself, plugging in to your outlet of your higher self, it will allow you to find that you have more strength, more determination, more energy, more connectivity to move forward and, and, and begin to do what it is you want to do, do what you have to do for the day, do it in more joy as opposed to, uh, um, not, not such feeling so good or feeling like you have obligations that don't feel fun to do at all. So there's, there's a lot of benefits to connecting to your higher self. And that actually takes me back to, uh, two events in my life. Like you said, there are events in your life where you really struggle, but you, You've got to get connected and find the strength from within. Go to your higher self. It was uh, October the 12th of 2013 when I lost someone that I had raised for the first seven years of her life. She hanged herself. 
Mm-hmm. And that was October 12th, 2013. And then this year, on May the 12th, my father died <sighs> unexpectedly. Those two events right there, they were extremely hard. But I guess I am fairly well connected to the spiritual side. I've, I hear voices. Dad's even came back to me a time or two. But e- even then, it is extremely hard to deal with these events if you're not connected to your higher self, connected to the feminine energy and the masculine energy, I guess. If you're not, it's easy to self-destruct, I'd imagine. It is. I mean, I, I remember, you know, talking to you after your father had died and and it was, you know, it, it's never easy. It's always hard. And and you, you know, you did some really important things that I, I, I have such respect for, you know, in our communications we had during that time. And do you, do you mind sharing what some of the things you did that allowed you to get realigned so you could open up to those spiritual centers that could, could help in a way um, be your salvation through that time? Do, do, you, do you want to share some of the things you might have done? Well, I don't know if I remember. I've... Well, I, I will say this. I remember you took the time for yourself that was important to heal and yes. to grieve. Yes, I did. I definitely took off uh, several, like a month or two. Because after a show I had done with a psychic, I could tell right then and there, I just did not have what it took. I didn't have the heart. I I didn't want to be there. I had had to decide whether or not I still had the passion to do this show. Because at that point, what did I have? My father died. So I was like a lost sheep without a shepherd, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I had to leave and uh, search deeply within my soul ask questions of whoever the spiritual deity is that you believe in. And I eventually decided to come back because I I miss doing this. I enjoy being here in front of everybody that's listening, even those that don't listen and speaking with people such as yourself, because you make this show worth doing each and every day. Very kind of you. And and I agree that, you know, you, you can't do it without your listeners and without your guests and, um, yeah. And so I, that's, that's, this is critical. What you just said, Bob, you, you took the time for yourself to grieve. You didn't try to sweep it under the carpet. You were very clear that you need to take a break. And we talked about it a little bit then, and, and you, you did exactly what you needed to do. And it doesn't mean that doesn't mean that he's over grieving. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means he took his time through the process of grief, which takes quite a bit of time. And there's many different phases to it. But what happens when we're going through these transformational times, and that was a huge, transformational time for Bob. And, and he still is transforming as we all do when we go through a death of a, of a loved one and, um, or other kinds of events that are very, that, that just shake us to our bone. And, and I talk about this in the spirit of alchemy in the underworld. If you recall, when you go into the inner world, the underworld, this is where we have to face our fears, our sadness, Come our losses, um, our our demons, which can become daemons. If we look at all these things, can become daemons, which are actually sprites or helpers of the light. And so, it's not that it's bad we go there; it's that it's necessary to go there. And when we go there, it shifts us around inside. That's not a bad thing. It shifts us around to really look at what. I'm, what you're supposed to be doing, what what works for you, what doesn't work in you. Bob, you had an opportunity to really look at, is this what I want to continue doing? And so when you reemerge from that, after you go through all this kind of uh, turmoil inside, which is normal, you come, you came out because you took the time, you could come out and make clear decisions about what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But it requires a time to go within. And that's what I, that's what I call the inner world and underworld 
uh, with within ourselves. It's taking those times in life. Sometimes we go there on purpose. We could journey there. And other times we get thrown there. Um, at, for example, f- loss of a loved one all of a sudden. You know, it's shocking. And yes. so it really rattles and shakes you to your bone. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a very healthy thing because it, it, it stirs you up inside. And then you begin to call upon these spiritual centers within yourself. Then you begin to find that courage and strength within you. That's just opening more pathways to your greatest self, to your higher self. It, it allows you to connect to those pathways. Um, we don't always grow through hardship. We also can grow through great events. You can grow vicariously watching another. You can grow through having wonderful experiences. Um, so we grow in many different ways, but we do grow in hard ways as well, as you, as you it just explained. But you took the time. You took the time. That's the key, to take the time with it. That's, that's the feminine energy, by the way, because the, the masculine energy, which all of us have, we really say, I wish this didn't happen. I need to get on with my life. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and we're going to go forward. Ta-da. And the feminine side says, no, no, no. We need to grieve. We need, I'm sad. I'm not going to allow you to move forward. And in fact, as much as you probably tried to move forward, she's pulling you back within you, yourself within you saying, we need time alone. Mm-hmm. And that's the feminine energy. And that was, that's honoring that aspect of herself. Yes. That, that's, that's, that's great. That's a great example. I remember several years ago, I'm not going to mention any names, but there was a gentleman who lost his wife suddenly. And he really didn't take the time to grieve over the loss of his wife. I know several people just like this, whether it's a man or woman, and they would go right back out and try to find somebody else to love. No time Mm -hmm. to grieve. And it's not my place to judge, but I I just couldn't do that. If I lost my wife tomorrow, it it would take me years to even consider going to find someone. But I guess Mm -hmm. some individuals have more masculine energy in them, and they just shove out the feminine energy altogether. Is that what has happened? Yes, that's a great way of looking at it since we're talking about masculine and feminine. I mean, the feminine energy makes us look at ourselves. She makes us take time with ourselves. Again, she's very patient. She's very open, receptive. She waits. She's not necessarily an, an aggressor. and She's not necessarily pushing to make things happen. She likes to sit back and allow things to unfold. And um, what you're talking about there, that's very common thing for people who go through a breakup, a boyfriend, girlfriend, relationship, death, to get right out there again because that is the, the part of them that wants to escape. I don't blame them. I understand where it's coming from. But she'll, she'll find her way to pull you back in. And I think that's why over the ages, and I talk a lot about the history of this, of the feminine cultures and, and uh, how, what, what put them down and what happened. And I think it's that part of humanity, again, in our collective consciousness that was so fearful of this power, of this energy that, would, that could take us back and hold us back when we think we want to move forward or allow it make us feel. A lot of times people want to escape feeling the feelings because that scares them. When they feel the feelings, all the feelings they never felt excuse me, in their past, start coming up too. It becomes an excuse uh, in a way or, or a reason to feel all those feelings you never felt through other losses you've had. And so we just quickly run, 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 escape, escape, escape. 
And, and that's when we just go out there and go haywire. They always talk about, uh, you know, the, the rebound. That is exactly what we're talking about here. That's the rebound. And then what you end up finding, you'll end up finding the same kind of situation or maybe if there were problems in the relationship or, or even if there weren't, you'll find yourself just, just wanting to re- repeat that again because you know no different. The feminine asks us and begs of us to come back to ourself to know who we really are within and to not be afraid of those parts of ourself that seem scary, the deep, dark feelings, the emotions, the secrets, the skeletons in our closet. It's really asks us to look at those and how can we not get rid of them, but how can we integrate them? There's such an important aspect to who that person is. Mm-hmm. And so when I write this book, I, I, the premise behind my, my book, The Spirit of Alchemy, Secret Teachings of the Sacred Union, is that we are not broken we are not we don't need to be fixed we're actually whole we just need to reintegrate these pieces that we forget and the divine feminine and the darkness of which they they consider that her realm we need to go back into those aspects those dark parts inside of ourselves which doesn't mean bad doesn't mean negative it just means parts of ourselves we're not willing to shine a light on and when we start shining a light on and that's what the philosophers learn to do of the of the um, alchemists, the philosophers of the of the alchemical studies, they learned to go into these places and shine that light upon themselves. And as they did, they found that they really weren't scary, terrible, ugly, horrific, demonic things within. Instead, they found there were these beautiful light beings, uh, uh, demons within themselves that could help them and help them progress in life. Just like the lead metals, the base metals that the alchemists used to transform into gold, they didn't get rid of the lead. They took it and changed it, transformed it. They didn't go, cut out the lead, you're gone. They needed the lead. The lead was the key ingredient, was the main ingredient they work with to be able to bring it up to its golden standards. And so that's what the feminine asks us to do. And that's what um, we all need to do at times in our life when, when she beckons us to, to come. And I know it's never good timing, but um, it's her timing. And when I talk about her as if she's outside yourself, she's not, she's, I'm talking about you have this within yourself and it's your own personal timing. Um, doesn't always seem like it works with the masculine timing and we got to get this done today. Um, but with, with her help, he can learn to be even greater in the world. Meaning you can learn to even be more, uh, responsive, more, uh, present, more aware um, um, able to move through life with uh, more ease and things will flow more, more smoothly when we can use her to help augment him. She truly is the backbone mm-hmm. to the masculine energy. And the masculine energy is what goes out in the world. But he needs his lover. He needs his consort. And so in the book, I talk about the importance of bringing these energies together. And I, and I share um, examples of how to do that and examples of people who are working on this and, and how it might show up in your life. So, so you, so you bring up a really good point, Bob, when, when you, you talk about the people you knew, um, who, who just, uh, wanted to get back out there again. And it's not to blame them. It's just to say that they know, know no better. They just want to, I don't blame them. Everybody wants to escape pain. We want to pop a pill or do something right. But th- this case, this pain is not really pain. Once you go into it, it actually teaches you more about yourself, mm-hmm. how great you really are. Yes. When you were speaking about the feminine energy being that that she is the backbone and that the muscular aspect, let's just say the feminine energy is the dirt and the Mm -hmm. masculine energy is the rocks. They go hand in hand to build a solid foundation because without the rocks, the dirt could move away, especially if it's on sand. You know, let's just say it was sand. 
if you build a house on sand and there's nothing solid there, what's going to happen to it? That's right. So it, it really goes hand in hand. And the natural process of the earth, it really amazes me how everything can come into us and we can look at it and say, this is what she's talking about, that the feminine energy is the soil, if you will, and that the masculine is the rocks. And upon both of those, we can build a foundation for spiritual healing for a house of which nothing can destroy. But if we don't have one or the other, it'll come tumbling down. And I'm rambling because I had too much caffeine. (laughs) Very well said. Yeah, that's a very tangible way to look at it. Um, And also, a lot of people refer to this feminine energy as Gaia, which represents the earth. She is earth. And they sometimes say the masculine energy is more of the heavens around uh, uh, that abound and surround her. They both need each other, you know. Uh, and if you take the analogy of the dirt or sand, even even just walking barefoot in the sand, people love to go to the beach and go barefoot, right? The first thing you do, and I live near the beach, is you kick your shoes off, your flip flops, and you walk barefoot. It's like there's there's a call, uh, and you can consider the ocean also a very feminine energy, a mysterious feminine energy that calls you, and you're lured. You're lured to it and you want to walk on it and experience it. And it's just, you don't even think these thoughts, but that's natural. It's natural to go outside and kids to run barefoot in the grass or play in the dirt. That's the feminine energy. And then anything built upon that, as you mentioned, the rocks, building it up, even the plants, becomes more masculine energy because it grows from this fertile ground. And when you step in that fertile ground yourself, you're connecting with that energy. That's another way to connect with these energies. Um, It's not like, I'm trying to make this real clear. When you connect these energies, it's not like all of a sudden you, whoa, you feel something, right? It's that what happens is you're just allowing yourself to be in the presence of reminding yourself of this connection within you or reminding you how important the earth is. And of course, there's certain frequencies and resonance and the, the Schumann resonance that we all vibrate to and so does the earth. And so you, you look at that and you're actually now touching it with the soles of your feet. All these things help us put us back in touch with nature and nature and they call it mother nature. It's the feminine energy again. So this, 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 uh, theme of the masculine feminine show up again and again, you'll hear it in fairy tales. You'll hear it in stories. You'll, you'll see it in people's relationships. You'll, um, you, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear of it in mythologies and we're talking about it here. You'll feel it within yourself. That that's why there were these stories to help people remember that both these elements are important. And again, we're not talking about gender. We're talking about the masculine feminine energies that are, that are characteristics of behavior and feelings and responses within ourselves. And so they really, they're, they're really more androgynous, but it's just easier to say how the masculine energy behaves as opposed to the feminine energy behaves. Mm-hmm. When I first heard about the divine feminine, I was thinking to myself, why do I need to be more feminine? I'm a man. <laughs> right. <damn> it. <laughs> right. Then I read, I uh, kept reading. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Don't be turning me into yeah. a woman, Karen. That's what I was saying to myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's a great point because when you first heard these concepts, you're not familiar with it. You go, well, heck, I'm a woman. I don't want to be more manly. Or I'm a man. I don't want to be. I don't. Want to be, I don't want to be feminine. I mean, but but that's not what we're saying. We're saying that there's these energies that just sh- that we call them the divine masculine and divine feminine, and they show up as male female images, although they really aren't. The representational more of the receptive, compassionate, empathic, intuitive, mystical, mysterious, the dark, feminine energies. 
as opposed to the masculine positive light out there ex exerting, producing, um, going after dreams, goals is more of that masculine energy. But all these, the words I'm saying, I bet everybody has those, those, all those words and those feelings within themselves. It's just now when you look at something, see it as it, it's something it needs to contain both. So let's say you have a dream you want to go after. And your dream is to be, um, let's say, a great athlete. And you, and you, you already are a good athlete. You want to, you got to be a great athlete. And you know when you're training to become a great athlete, there's times when you have to rest your body and there's times when you have to push it. Resting your body is the feminine energies. Nourishing your body is the feminine energy. Stretching your body for the, for the activities is your feminine energies where you're out there pushing yourself and the weight training and running and the sprints and all the things you do to be more active in your body. That's the masculine energies, but you couldn't just do all that without also the stretching and the recovery time and the downtime and the rest and the good nourishment. If you just did all that and you didn't do the pushing yourself, exerting yourself, running hard, time trials, you couldn't, you couldn't be the great athlete. So there's another example of how both these characteristics show up together in complementary form. Um, and I like to talk poetically and I usually, I write a little poetically at times and I say that they're, they're each other's marriage. They're the consort to each other. They need each other. And, and another way you can get this information across to other people is that I know you are an artist, correct? That's correct. And I believe you drew or painted or something, the cover of this book. I did. Yes. It's actually a, a large, about 20 inch large painting of the alchemical vessel with all the alchemical symbols within it in my interpretation of them. Mm -hmm. That's right. So everybody, if you can just go to amazon.com or Karen, uh, Karen's website, go take a look at the book, The Spirit of Alchemy. Um, Karen, can you walk us through that image? What, what each part may mean? if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so you might want to go to karenadalman.com, click on um, where my books are. I think it's under shop and you can see this image is blown up large and you can see what I'm talking about. So you can do that while I'm talking about it so you can see it. So what it is, is um, when the alchemists were working privately in their own Olympic chambers, their laboratories, they work with beakers, flasks, stills, all kinds of bottles and where they, they would put their chemicals, their, their constituents, their ingredients in a apply the processes to them, which was fire, the air, the water, um, the elements of the earth. And they apply all these elements to them to, to transform and transmute and transform. And so my picture is one of those flasks. It's a, it's a double flask, and that's a typical flask that you would, the alchemist would use. It had double uh, bulbuses to it. And inside of that, you'll see where at the bottom is the wa element of water and the element of fire. Water and fire is very crucial to some of the earlier stages of alchemy. And so as you move up, you'll see the Philosopher's Stone, which is this cube. And on that, you have two characters standing, the White Queen and the Red King. Now, she's the, the White Queen represents the moon, and the Red King represents the sun. Not unlike my moon and sun, my spirit friends I talk to. And so they're standing on the Philosopher's Stone, and there's something on the Philosopher's Stone. I won't say it. It'll be a surprise for you when you look at it. Look at it closely. You'll see why that you, you'll see it, and you'll have to, you'll know why it's there because of my work that I do with spirit communication. And they, the, the Philosopher's Stone represents the alchemist. It's the process of the great work. The great work takes you to finding your 
fall philosopher's stone, which is the stone of your connection back to source, back to your higher self that you see your interconnectivity. Your journey starts with the philosopher's stone when you're born and it ends as you begin to grow into your own divinity. And that's the whole work and search uh, that 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 the alchemists were after when they were doing the the more spiritual philosophical um, alchemy, and within their hands that this the red king and the white queen hold a heart which in which the heart contains your eternal flame. We talked about this earlier. That is your signature of source within yourself. I say source, you can say God, but it's that signature of you that reminds you that 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 is your connection back to the source. That's your connection back always to your higher self. That eternal flame reminds you of that. And that's what the alchemist talked about. Now, the red king and the white queen hold the staff of Hermes. Hermes Trismegistus means Hermes three times the great in Greek. And he was supposedly the father of alchemy. He had the emerald tablets, which were these real literal pieces of emerald that were relief words that had axioms written on it, almost like the Ten Commandments, kind of like, where the, there were rules for living your life this alchemical way, how to live in the way of following and, and finding the Philosopher's Stone. And so that staff they hold, and if you notice, it's a caduceus, and the snakes wrap up to it, and the, it reminds you of a DNA strand as well. And there's three crowns you'll see on this image, and the three crowns represent three times the great, but it also represents the masculine energy, the feminine energy coming together at the heart. And when they come together at, at, together at the heart, source, they, they connect back to source, which is their third crown. And so I, I included a star tetrahedron, which is like two triangles superimposed on each other, one pointing up and one pointing down. And that to me is where all this work happens. It happens in the heart. We do our interconnectivity in the heart. It's, it's our feeling center. It's the seat of our soul is what I like to call it. It's our place of knowing. And we have three chakras above and three chakras below. When they come together in that center chakra, this is where you begin to pull those energies together within yourself. And then, of course, I include in this image the sun and the moon because in alchemy, they use symbols and, and other words to represent their processes. They couldn't be out in the public saying, this is how you do it and you'll be empowered for life. Instead, they'd say, when the red king meets the white queen and together they come in sacred marriage, then you will know, then you will know your greater philosopher's stone. You'll know the greater stone in life. They said it in parables. They said it in mystical words and they had to hide it because back in, in the days when many days, even to this day, sometimes you can't say these things that you are source, but they knew that and they had to hide it. If not, they would have been killed, tortured, maimed. Um, the ruling faction at the time was the church and they believed that your only salvation and divinity was through them. And you, and it was not a time to be empowered on your own. You had to use the church to be more empowered back then. Uh, thank goodness things have changed and, and uh, many religions help you empower yourself. And so above the crown, finally at the top, you'll see the Ouroboros, which is the snake biting its tail. And that represents the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, and that this process never ends. It continues on and on. And and it's it's a hopeful process, though, too, because as you begin to incarnate more often, uh, you know, and you have different lives or even in your own life, as you work through these processes, you begin to get more knowledge, you begin to have more awareness. And yes, you do continue on and on. But I see it as a spiral, you start spiraling up and with a little more information each time. 
And inside that snake, you'll see a red dot, a black dot, and the white dot. And that represents the three major functions to the alchemical process. You've got the negredo, where everything has to fall apart and you go into the darkness. Then you've got the albedo, where you start to see a light in the darkness, which represents the white queen. Then you've got the rubedo, which represents the red king. And there's a yellow function, too, but that's included in the red. And when you finally hit the red, and I talk about this in my book, and I'm doing all symbolism right now in images, you're, you start to come back into the outer world with a lot more clarity and awareness of your connections back to source, of your connections back to your higher self. And with those the, the, that ability to understand that, life takes a different meaning to you. Life takes a lighter, sweeter, um, more flowing way about it. It's those people you see in your life, no matter what's happening to them, there's always a smile on their face and they're always happy to greet you, regardless if they have nothing and, and, and things are falling apart. They've somehow been able to tap into this power and um, it, you know, that, that is what that whole symbol in the front of the book represents, tapping in and finding and then connecting with this power and using it in your life. That's interesting. I had been wondering what the images represented. Oh, thanks for asking. I knew what the foundation was. That I'm not going to ruin it for anybody. <laughs> I want to see how many people noticed that. So I'm glad you did, Bob. And uh, it's my little bit of humor in there too. But it's it's um, it's really one of the ways that I've been able to connect with my higher self and my spirit guides and 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 source guides is through for me uh, it's through my spirit communication. And so that that was important for me to include that aspect because that's a tool I use. For a minute, they almost thought they were standing on a Star Trek transporter. <laughs> and it has that feeling about it too it does beam me up scotty <laughs> yeah that's funny that's great you know when you were mentioning uh that we have a higher self and that I, I believe you said that we can give it a name we can consider it whatever we want to consider it right yes yes mm -hmm. and, and this is just the caffeine talking but i was thinking to myself you know what if i was to give it a name i'd be like and i will hug them and squeeze them and call them george and I'm going to talk like this from now on, folks, for the rest of the night. I feel sorry for you. You're channeling George now. <laughs> Listen, and have fun with this. Your higher self is 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 um, an energy source that loves you but also has fun with you. Another way we're really in touch with our higher self is when we're in our dream state. And it's a time for us to uh, recharge, rejuvenate, and our higher self often comes to us, and you just don't may not recognize, and it may come to you as a symbol, as an image, such as the pictures on my front of my book, it may come to you as a as a character in your dream who takes you to faraway places or a spirit guide. You know, your higher self can come in many forms to you, but know this: you can never escape your higher self, and nor should you want to. And your higher self is really the larger aspect of just the small little personality that you are right now. Mm -hmm. And tapping into it, it's re what's really cool about it. I had to, I had to, I learned to more and more, and it forced me to, which I'm thankful now understanding the process of what I was doing when I was writing this book and in, in writing my other books too. I get help from my spirit friends. This book was very special to me because um, I was really asked to work direct with my higher self without necessarily my spirit friends 
help. And so what that meant was I had to rely on the dreams, the meditation, um, my own thoughts. And I'd had to put, I had to focus and put myself in that place where I feel aligned when I know for a fact my cord is plugged into the outlet of my higher self in a great space. And when I get in that space, oh my goodness, the, the words would fly out of me. So what you're doing is you're tapping into a part of you that already knows, has great knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And I, I'll tell you, my spirit friends told me, said, when you write this book, Karen, and they told me this, uh, gosh, might have been last November. They said, don't be surprised when you go back and read what you wrote, you will not recognize. I've read my book now, I think seven or eight times. And I'm still, and I, I wrote it and I'm still going over things like, oh, wow, when did I, when did I write that? Oh, wow. Okay. All right. And so <laughs> what my higher self does is I'll hear it sometimes call to me and tell me, you know, why don't you go look at that chapter again and just read this segment. And so it's, it's become kind of a resource, a resource book for me at times um, to remind myself of some of these things that I wrote about. Now, the exercises I include in there that help you tap into your higher self, I practice those all the time. And that is how I get in touch with my higher self. As you mentioned, Bob, I, I am an artist and my artwork takes me there. Boom, like that, instantaneously. When you do things that you really enjoy doing that bring you great joy, that is your pathway that is your that is your ability to tap in and plug into your higher self. So do those things as often as you can. Find that that pleasure, that joy, that excitement, that happiness, and that is when you'll be able to get in that space. Then use that space to for what else you want to do. And I'm in that space and I go, oh, it's a great time to write. <laughs> oh, it's a great time to journal. Yeah. Oh, it's a great time to have this conversation with somebody. Oh, it's great for me to reframe the way I was feeling about something and changing it and shifting and shifting out of my maybe some negative energies into more positive. Use it to your advantage. And, and that's what it's there for. That 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 is that is why we have this greatness. We just need to tap into it and use it. And then you'll be just amazed at some of the proclivities and talents and abilities you, that we have inside ourselves that start coming forth the more and more you work with this energy. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, a teenager into my early 20s, I used to love to draw. I can't do that much anymore because when I hold a pencil for too long, my, my fingers just, they're not holding up anymore. They just start to burn. Uh, but there was a time uh -huh. I would draw and... 10 or 12 hours would pass, and I wouldn't even know it. To me, an hour passed. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that was just amazing. I'm like, okay, it must be time for dinner, and everybody's going to bed. I'm like, what the hell happened here? <laughs> Everybody has those experiences. Where, and that's, that's how I call shifting your time-space continuum. It's like you thought maybe you were doing something for an hour or two, and all of a sudden you find out six hours have gone by. Then you know you're in, you're tapped in, you're, you're plugged in. To your higher self, because you are you are in that magical moment of focus. You're focused on what you're doing. You're enjoying what you're doing. Now you wouldn't be able to do it that long. People get runners high. That's the same way of being tapped into your higher self. Um, people talk about having a conversation with somebody and getting lost in it. The next thing you know, it's five hours later when they thought, "Really? I thought it was just an hour." Um, it could be sometimes even spending time with your pet and you don't realize all the time that's gone by. Um, and so you, you do those things more often and you'll find that, um, you, you, you tap into this other kind of continuum, this other time space continuum. Talk about Star Trek. It's like you, you find yourself somewhere else. And, and in the process of doing that, you're also producing probably incredible artwork or something that really feels uh, great to you. I know when I do my art, I, I, that happens to me too. I could spend hours and hours and hours and just go, oh my goodness, where did the day go? 
um, and then realize, wow, I was in that space. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm not even being aware when I'm in it until I, I come out of it and go, oh, goodness, that, that's where I was. It, it's Everybody knows that feeling. I know all of you out there have had times like that where time just flies by, and but, but you're enjoying yourself in the moment and had no idea how much of our time went by. Yes. A person on, on the forum at thefarside.tv slash farsiders wanted me to maybe touch on Ouija with you. So, um, what is, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I'm Southern. I butcher words. You know, that's what I do. Um, (laughs) Okay. But what is esoteric Ouija and and what role does it play, if any, in getting oneself aligned with the the higher self? I I call it either alchemical Ouija or esoteric Ouija because I use the board now to for transformational purposes. Yes, I, I use the board once in a while. I'll speak to uh, deceased loved ones if that's a, there's a need for that. But for the most part, I'm speaking to these beings, these ethereal beings, the sun and the moon, um, and then my higher self as well, and a few others who come and share old knowledge of the ancient of ancient wisdom. So I call it it's esoteric, hidden. Esoteric means hidden knowledge. A lot of this alchemical work was hidden knowledge bec- for, because of the repercussions for sh- if they shared it out in the public and, and let people know that they were transforming themselves in incredible ways and in, in ways of empowerment. So I use the board in those ways. I use it for empowering. I use it for self-exploration. I use it for spiritual exploration. I use it for um, tapping hot into further realms of consciousness to see what else you can communicate with. But when my spirit guides come through, the spirit friends, the sun, the moon, and, and healing spirit, the trinity, <laughs> when they come through, they come through in a way now that's... Um, dialoguing with me. And so instead of going, you know, maybe answering a question, they'll start with a, a subject. And in fact, this book was written in the, in the underworld, a lot of topics about the dualism, about the nature of evil, um, the balance. Those all came from conversations I had with my spirit friends where they came forth and said, today, I want to tell you, uh, well, we want to talk to you about this concept. And this concept is for you to communicate with us as well from your perspective. And we hope this concept inspires you. And not that we're here to tell you anything to do, but we hope we can inspire you. So the messages in the way I work with Ouija now is all for inspiration. And, and anybody that comes to the circles that I do, it's for them to be inspired too, to begin looking at some of these things within themselves um, that can bring them uh, into their highest good, into, into their greatest nature, um, and, and to uncover these talents and abilities and use them in, in the world. Uh, here we are talking about interconnectivity. Their goal is for us to really understand that we are connected to everything and that our thoughts, feelings, behaviors, actions all have an effect on things around the world that we wouldn't even, we wouldn't even know that we're affecting because it, we're so inter, intertwined with each other. Um, and so they, that's more of the esoteric, which is this, this is a secret hidden ancient knowledge that they're sharing, sharing with us. And that's why I feel such a need to write about this stuff. Cause it's, um, it's uh, coming like downloads now. And if people want to know more about some of these messages I'm receiving, and Bob, I, I've been sharing on my website um, a section under articles called Moon Messages. <laughs> and it's just that. It's the messages that the moon brings in various sessions. And 
been going back through, I keep copious notes and I also record them and it's, everything is, is verbatim what the moon says. And you can read some of these messages. And I think we have about eight posted right now. I'm releasing typically one to two a week. Usually I release them on the weekend. So if anybody's listening to this now or tomorrow, you'll, you'll see there'll be a couple more released. One will be on Saturday and one will be on Sunday. And it's the messages they, they say, and you can see the kinds of words and what they talk to us about. And then what I do is, is what they do with us during the session. They ask us to talk about it. What do we think? They'll ask us a question and we answer. So I, underneath what the moon says, I give you questions to ponder. So it's like you're there in this session with us, kind of going through the same thing we went through. And by all means, please make your comments and post them on the on my the website too because we really value that. When I say we, myself, and I know the, the moon and, and my energies I work with, they value that too because their message is one that is universal and their message is one that is timely and their message is one of really awakening to how you can feel more empowered in your life, how you don't feel so alone, how you can connect more with people and how you really can connect with this greatness within. Mm-hmm. And so it really goes back to what we started this conversation, Bob, about what's going on around the world and what we see in our great nation. And this is what they're teaching us to do, how, how, how to survive this. But more than that, they want to see us, they want to see us be victorious with this. And so they're, they're teaching this old information and nothing's new under the sun, but they're, but they're reviving it in very practical ways, applicable ways to our modern day world. Mm-hmm. And that is esoteric Ouija. Okay. In a nutshell. <laughs> what kind of nutshell? I like different types of nuts. There you go. I am a nut. A <laughs> Aren't we all? Yes. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> sometimes you feel like a nut sometimes you don't right and i'm sure people tuning in hearing me talk about this stuff they go well that that gal's really a nut (laughs) (laughs) and that's okay i'll tell you what all the years i've been doing this it's 42 years now as i mentioned before in the other show um i'm used to it and i I, i'm you i mean i'm used to my work i'm used to not being a nut but i'm used to (laughs) what i do and i know uh, to me it's it's um It's very meaningful for me, and I know it's not for everybody, but what really is for everybody is learning to tap into, own your higher self. That is for everybody, and the Ouija board is one way I do it. There are many ways I do it. In my third book, The Spirit of Alchemy, I give all kinds of ways to do it. We hit on a few tonight, such as um, artwork, such as I think I mentioned dreams and journaling. Meditation is a huge one. Um, Going out, walking in the sand, connecting with earth. These are all ways to tap back into your higher self. When you read the book, and and if you go online, I also have a lot of articles I write related to the same topic, and you can, they're all under the section called articles. I have all kinds of articles that are are related to a lot of what we're talking about today um, or tonight, because um, I think it's important to get the message out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether you can afford my book, they're not very expensive and you can get it on Amazon or at my website, but, it, but I have free stuff up there. So you can learn about these, these concepts I'm talking about. And, and that's important. Again, going back to our original conversation, we need to bring the spiritual element. We need to feel soul. We need to soul make within ourselves again. We need to allow our soul back into life and allow that to connect us back to others. In your book, you speak of something, essentially we need to go back to the imagine of self, to mm-hmm. when we had imaginary friends, and essentially we were at our purest self, our purest spiritual energetic self. We could see entities there. We could talk with them. 
As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, you used to be able to do that and, and not mm-hmm. just through the Ouija board. That's right. Like you too, Bob, I know you have the same experiences and, and I was told to put that away. And in my book, I talk about my imaginary playmate who was not imaginary. And in fact, this book is dedicated to him. Um, his name is Daki, and that was my opening story. Um, and when I share that, and then I talk about the imaginal realm. And the imaginal realm is not fake. I know we say imaginary friends, and we tend to think the word imagination means fake. But true, truthfully, truly, everything we do in the world starts with a thought. And the thought comes from within your imagination, within your mind. And so we need to go back into this realm, and I give you ideas and techniques again how to do this, um, to reclaim, to reclaim our imagination and put it back in the perspective of this is an important part of ourself. And when children are growing up, it's in, I, I talk about some of the research that's been done in, with some psychologists about this, is that it's really important for children to, have an, to use their imagination. It's their way to begin to understand the world around them and the world at large. It allows them to see outside of themselves and to imagine what it might feel like to be in somebody else's shoes. It also helps kids develop um, who they're going to become in life. They can try out all kinds of different scenarios. Maybe they want to, you know, I talk about when kids pretend like they're the family pet for a week or they pretend like they're, they're 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 the king of their fort they made or they pretend like what's it like to to live in a foreign country maybe they live somewhere like in asia they don't know much about it gives them an opportunity to just explore and my spirit friends tell me how important the imagination is to our development not just as kids but as adults so let's say you have a dream again you you something you want to you want to become or aspire towards maybe you're looking to take on a new job and the new job you may not have the right skill sets but if you sit and take time and in your mind, in your mind's eye, and start to imagine what maybe is required, you know, think about it, think it through, then just allow it. Here's the feminine energy now. Then just sit with it and see what pops up in your mind. You're, if you're connected with your higher self, you're going to get answers to that. Maybe a direction to go, maybe a person to call, maybe something to read, maybe something to study, um, all related to this new job you want to go after. And that all starts in your imagination. And so imagination is truly the breeding grounds for whatever it is you desire. It is truly the breeding grounds for your dreams, your goals, your aspirations, as well as how you want to be in the world. And so when I was a child, yes, I saw um, all kinds of things, uh, all kinds of energies and all kinds of beings. Some were more scary and some were, were not. Some were very, very friendly. And Daki was one of them. And Daki was my very first experience with the other side. I've since learned that Daki is truly a guardian. Um, and he disappeared to me. He appeared to me as a, a sprite, an elemental or an elf-like, uh, definitely um, um, a very interesting character. Um, spoke to me when I was a child, and, and my, my parents thought I was just probably uh, talking to myself, and they told me that. But I was also told, you know, you can't really do that when you go to school, you know. And so I just realized I had to grow up. And growing up, and sad, sadly, sadly for me, and sadly for many, was that you let go of those things. And mm-hmm. so they never left me. And I kept seeing things, but I put Daki away. And I really thought, I felt badly that I, that I left Daki. But I won't give away the, 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 the book because if you read at the very end of the book, and you have to get it to read that part, you'll see what happens and, and what happens with Daki. But, um, and what happens with me as well. <laughs> well what happens story. with you? Uh, do you no, go missing? Gonna, I, I go poof into poof. the portal of the board. <laughs> and I'm talking to you right now from the board. Is that what's going on? 
Yes, I'm, I, I'm, I'm calling you from the, from the planchette. <laughs> I, I am the planchette. No, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. He was my first uh, interaction, and from there I had many. And then the Ouija board uh, came to me at the age of eight, which allowed me to communicate with a lot of these spirits. And that's it. from there I, I just kept growing and growing and growing and progressing with it. Um, so it was a great odyssey and a journey. However, I can speak with my higher self and I can hear my spirit friends and I can see, I still see, I started it happening again when I got a little older. Um, I could see uh, spirits again every now and then, not as clearly as I did when I was a child, but I bumped into one not too long ago, um, and work with them. And, and it, it, and it's not a scary thing. It's just a very natural thing. And children have this proclivity to do this when they're first born, that they're right one step away from the veil, one step from, and it's a veil, it's a very thin veil. It's not this horrible thing to go from um, non-being, uh, non, non, non-human form to a human form back to a non-human form. It's really a very simple process. We just don't understand that because we just don't have reference for that in the, when we're in the physical realm, unless you can remember these things. And some people do under hypnosis mm-hmm. um, and some people do under other kinds of recall. But, um, w- you know, being in touch with all these uh, different beings has really, you know, affected me and shaped me in my life. And it's got to me to the point where now I really rely a lot on my meditations and other types of practices uh, to be in touch with these energies and not, not just the board. Although the board is one of my tools, as many people have tools they use, this is really probably one of my greatest tools for establishing that connection. But you don't need that to, to, to do this work. And, and that's why I wrote my third book, because my second book was all about the Ouija board, the spirits of Ouija, and how to do that. The third book is really about now you can do this without a board. You can use a board, but you can do this in other ways too. Mm-hmm. I think the caffeine's wearing off finally. Tick, tick, <laughs> tick. Tick, 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 tick. bouncy, tick, bouncy, tick. bouncy. There I am bouncing off the walls. Anyways, <laughs> you don't, you don't sound, you don't sound too hyper. <laughs> Not now. I don't. That's great. That was a bit different earlier, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it did wear down a little bit. Now, people accuse me of being on caffeine. I'm not. I'm just very high energetic. Just let everybody know that I have a lot of energy. Um, I don't even need to drink coffee. I just have a lot of energy. And, and one of the things when I'm very passionate about something, I'm like I was talking about being connected, plugged into your higher self. You have endless, boundless of energy. And when I talk about such things, I'm, my higher self is very much right here with me now. And I feel very aligned um, because I'm I'm in my passion. Mm-hmm. And that's another way to get into your higher self is when you're following your passions. Yes. You spoke about the differences between our side and their side. It's essentially a veil, and that's what I've always believed. We are separated by a thin veil of frequencies, and that's it. Yes. Yes. Uh, on occasion, the frequencies can thin out to almost be non-existent, and it makes it easier for them to come to us. That's right. It's all about vibration. It's all about the the rate of our vibration. And so their vibration is just different than den- – we're dense. We're in physical. We're, ha- we're here to have a human experience. We're here to experience density. And we asked to come here. We wanted to come here. And we are lucky, fortunate – um, we're, we're supposed to be here. And so we're supposed to be in this density. And yet when you shift over, uh, to the other realms, um, you just, it's a shift in energy. It's, it's your vibration changes. So it's, it's a higher frequency as you move into the other realms. Mm -hmm. And that's how you begin to see them and communicate with them too, is that by shifting your vibration, people ask me this question all the time. What do you mean by raising your vibration? What do you mean by shifting your vibration? How do you do that? Well, I, I 
put out a bunch of videos on this as well. Go to my website, my YouTube channel. You can access that through my website, KarenAdalman.com, and you'll see a bunch of videos that um, my friend Marla Martinson and myself are doing. Um, we have fun with it. We wear a witch's hat, and we talk about the board, but we talk about fine-tuning your energies, and we do it in a fun way, and they're only like 20-minute, 15-minute uh, videos, but they help you with this process because it is about shifting your energy um, to be able to communicate, um, like with the with the board I use, or even being able to see the, the, these realms. And and what my spirit guides always tell me, they say, Karen, we are vibration, you are vibration, that flower over there is vibration, but what separates us all is the rate of our vibration, which is our frequency. That's what separates us all. But mm-hmm. we're all vibration. Everything we can see, feel, touch, inanimate and animate is all vibration. It's the rate of vibration that appears for it to look solid to us. This is why the other realms coexist with us. They're another vibration. A good example is, I people that know me, I, I work in telecommunications. I help develop the uh, cell towers that make our mobile wireless phones work. And that's all through frequency. And depending on what frequency you're tuned into, that is what you're going to get. That is how the different carriers work without crossing their frequency, their bandwidths, because they all have a different frequency, a different, different rate of, uh, different rate, um, of frequency, different, different rate of vibration, if you will, for the, for the wireless signal um, to not intermix. And so when you're in that vibration, those phones will work on the certain different networks. And even though they all coexist, maybe on the same tower. See, it's like we're all in the same realm. We're all here. It's that we just are all at different rates of vibration. So we can't necessarily, with our physical apparatus we are born with, we don't have the ability to always see that. As you said, Bob, sometimes sometimes a veil gets so thin or sometimes the vibration changes. All of a sudden, boom, you're, you're matching, you're meeting up. Now, how my spirit friends work with me on the board, we talk about this a lot. I work hard before I sit down at a session, and I say work hard. I've been work, I work at it all the time in my life to raise my vibration. Just as I said, I raise my vibration to connect to my higher self, and when I do that, I, I can raise my energy level to match other energies of like mind and, and like being. This is why I don't get all this um, negative, uh, terrible stuff people tell stories about on the internet, not to discount their stories. I do believe people I do experience some some negative stuff. Um, I, I believe it's because I sit down and I have this intention of a certain vibration, intention for some, I have an intention in my imagination. Here we are back to the imaginal in my mind's eye, in my imagination, I have the intention. I'm only going to connect with these beings of, of great vibration who have my highest good at heart. And of course that's what comes forth for me. And that's who I connect to. And so it's all through my vibration that I'm able to reach them and they take their vibration to match mine. And so they're able to come down, if you will, or in. You could say more in. It's not really a bad to come down. It's just let's say they bring their energy in to reach more my energy, and I take my energy out to reach theirs, and there, boom, we got a connection. That is how you dial up these different energies. That is how you dial up your higher self. You physically get in the vibration where you feel good, joy, happiness, happy, uh, um, uh, thrilled, excited, anything that feels good to you. And that is how you change your energy, your vibration. And that from there, you will track that same energy to you, which is that of your higher self or mm-hmm. your guides, guardians, and all those things or experiences in life. We can take this out of the spiritual and put this back into the physical. This is what happens in life too. We, we're going to experience 
what we expect. We're going to experience, again, from our imagination, what we expect, what we think about. We're going to also experience what our energy is. That's going to draw other kinds of like energy to us. With your book, The Spirit of Alchemy, and some of your other books, have you ever found that maybe the words weren't really coming from you, but from somewhere else? Because I also write, I'm writing a novel, and it almost feels like yeah. to me that I am not necessarily writing it or creating it, but rather it has chosen me to tell its own story. Oh, so profound what you said, and and um, you're 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 feeling that, aren't you? You you probably. I'm gonna. My guess is you when in those moments you're feeling really in tune with what you're writing, and you're loving it. Mm-hmm. And and it's just yeah, like exactly. it's not coming from me, but it's coming from somewhere else, and I was chosen to write this story. Oh, bravo! I, I that's that's a beautiful way to be. And okay, that's that's it. Now this is what happened to me. Very, I'm glad you brought this up. When I was writing it, there was times where um, there was days when I would struggle to get in the mode of writing. I was writing almost six to eight hours every day. And then plus I'm also working my other work too. So I was really around the clock working. And I enjoy the, the writing so much that it, that was okay to do. But there still, even though through the joy of it, there were some days it was a struggle. And so my spirit guide said to me, they said, Karen, do you realize your book is already written? This is kind of what you're saying, Bob, now. They said, your book is already written. I said, really? Where do I go find that? They said, it's, it's in you. They said, it's here. We see it. All you have to do is tap into that. Now they weren't going to tell me how I had it kind of, this is how they work. They want me to come to my own answers. And so I thought, all right, so, okay, I'm open to that. I went to bed that night. I always keep a pad of paper and pen right near me in case I have something to write down because I get a lot of ideas in my, in my sleep. And as you start doing this more and more, you, you will get a lot of ideas in your sleep. And I don't think I'm going to remember it by the morning. I go ahead and take the time and I write them down at night and I'll go back to sleep. So that same night, I received information and I started writing stuff down. It was, it was almost like an outline of some stuff that I was struggling with. I wasn't quite sure what format to put it in and how to organize it. And it just came and I wrote it down and I thought, this looks pretty good at the time. I don't know if I, if I can read my writing in the morning, but we'll see. I wake up, I read it and I went, oh my God, that's it. That's what I, that's this one section I was looking at trying to figure out. And then I talked to them again. They said, see, now it's already written. All you have to do is do that again, is just believe, know, in your imagination again, program your mind when you go to sleep, program it for it to come to you at any time, anywhere, and be prepared and just start dictating it down. And so, Bob, what I did when I'm getting this download information, I have two little uh, tape recorders, or, um, digital recorders, dictaphones, I call them one in my car. And then one I keep on my person with me. And so anytime I'm inspired by something, I will talk it out because I don't have time to write it down or something, especially when you're driving. So I just turn that thing on and I'm talking it out. And I would, I drive a lot sometimes for my work and I was just getting incredible information. And now it's sometimes with, when you work with this uh, higher self and you work with this information coming through, it's not always on your schedule or your timetable. So I would get a lot of stuff in the middle of the night because that's where I could let go and really allow the feminine energy, the imaginal um, imagination, that the imaginal realm to come forth to allow all this information that's been gestating and incubating within me to come out. And so I had to trust the process. And the more I did that, the more the information flew, flew, flew out of me and flowed. And there'd be times I would, I would, um, 
um, be talking to somebody said, oh my gosh, all of a sudden I got to write something down. It just came out of me or oh, let me record this while we're talking. Okay. I just, I got, this is going to be, this is important. And you know when that is. And so, uh, you know, I highly recommend Bob too, while you're writing, you're probably already doing this, but to anybody who wants to pursue something creative like this, keep, always keep it like a little pad of paper with you. I have one in my purse. I carry it all times. I have one in my car. Um, those little, these little digital recorders are great. A pad of paper by your bed and allow the inspiration to flow. And once you start programming inside your imaginal mind, your imagination for this to happen, it will come out of you. And that is how the book is already written. That is how the paintings already painted. Um, this is how the great pieces of artwork were already done. You know, Michelangelo would say, I just removed, I just removed the excess marble away from the statue. And that was what was inside of it. It wasn't like he's like, I'm trying to make this statue of David. It was like he removed the excess and there was David. He, he uncovered it. And that's the same thing we're talking about here. It's in you already, the words, because you have this passion about it, because you have this desire and that's from your imagination and the feminine energy is going to allow that to incubate. And then if you trust that feminine energy, the masculine energy says, okay, I'm going to write this down in the middle of the night. Okay, I'm not going to get perturbed when I get this information because you don't want to shut it down. I didn't want to shut it down at least. And then you go forward with that and then it all comes together because it is already there for you. You are called to do this work and and you're, everybody out there is called to do some form of expression in the world. Um, and and you, you'll have to find out what that is if you don't already know. And everybody has this ability to tap into this great uh, vast storage of information and download it. You just got to be willing and, and, and ready and able to trust the process and trust that wonderful feminine energy when she brings it to you you certainly do i'm reading a comment yes. on the forum and a friend of mine wants to know and it's something we talked about last time on the last show we did they had seen a uh, ouija board on the internet and they wanted to know mm -hmm. if something like that would work just like a physical ouija board which we had talked about using a mouse before on a digital ouija board see if it yeah. would work right and and you, you told so me that should work uh-huh. It should. P people um, use just their keyboard. It's not even about Ouija board. They just, they learn, they learn to work with the energies where their fingers feel a pressure when they're over a certain key and they'll just type out. That's like automatic uh, keyboard writing. <laughs> you know, they used to do automatic writing. So specifically the, the, our friend in the, the, the forum wants to know if, if you buy any kind of Ouija board on the internet, will it work? Like, like on eBay or Amazon? Is that what he's asking? From what I'm understanding, if it's a digital Oh, Ouija digital. board. Will it work? Okay. You know, I have those little apps and I say they don't, they don't work yet. Um, people have written to me and, and I, I've done it a few times with some experiments with them where you get some random words sometimes on them. And it's like, that's kind of, it's like the obelisk, I guess that they have for ghost hunting and, and stuff like mm -hmm. that nature where the random words come up. Yeah. You know, there's something about things that are random and something about things that are chaos. Truly a chaos theory tells us there's order. If you go far enough out into the chaos, you'll find the pattern. And so everything really, there really is a meaning. Um, I sometimes on things like that, I don't try to find too much meaning on the digital ones. Um, it, it's something I haven't experimented enough with. And I always tell people when they're new at using uh, the tool, a talking board, spirit board, Ouija board, to not trust the messages verbatim and, and take them to heart in the beginning. It really takes a lot of time to get to know the tool, to get to know your energy, to get to know who, with whom you're communicating. And that I, I wrote a, an article about this on my website and I really, in high 
highly, highly encourage people that are new to this to download that article. It's under uh, articles under talking boards, and you'll find that article about trusting the message, the accuracy, because um, you know that that's like the digital. You really ha- got to use it for quite some time. I just took it as you know, it's not. It's if you don't think it's going to work, it's not going to work. And so me, I've been like, nah, it's not going to work. But yet I did get some random things that again probably had some meaning, but I don't ascribe too much to it because I, my, my other tool I use, the traditional old school Ouija, (laughs) hardcore Ouija works really well for me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you could probably develop a relationship with some of these apps and see how that works for you. Um, but you know, it really depends again on what you believe and what you, what you think, and you think you're going to get something with it. For me, I like the, the, the tactileness of the of the planchette and the boards, and I like the feeling of my fingers on it, and as opposed to maybe my fingers on a mouse. I I, I like that. But you know, try it. Let me know what you find out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be curious. You know, I am seriously considering getting a physical Ouija board. I've I've seen some made of real wood, and Ooh, if, yeah. if I if I got something, it would be something really nice. But um, I would like to have you back. It's it's not for a scary aspect or anything else. But if I ever do a Ouija, <laughs> I would like to have an expert, at least on the same line as me, that has spiritual bouncers that can kick some negative ass if they need to. Oh, and they do. And they have in the past. Now we're beyond that. But yes, absolutely, Bob. I love that. Um, yeah. So you're right. Ouija's not negative for me. It never has been. And I'm really, when I talk about it, um, I'm dispelling the myths out there uh, that you hear so many Ouija-sticians and folklore and legends and and not to discount anybody's experience again, but to say you don't have to have that either. And sometimes when you hear something and you take it into your imagination, it can become real for you where you, will, where you just listen to all the hype and the mass hysteria and then you start producing that yourself. So I'm I'm out here saying there's other resources to look at if you want to use this tool. And yes, Bob, I'd be more than happy to help you with that as well or be on the line and, and see what happens because um, – yeah, I think this is a fabulous tool. It, it, it can be used in, a, in incredible ways, and I'm forever changed for it. And I met some of my greatest spirit friends there and, and, and had the opportunity to learn to tap into my higher self and have confirmation of that where now I can tap into my higher self many, many times throughout the day. And when I get pulled away or I go into the darkness, I find my way back, and, and I, I know how to do that now more so. And the board has helped be a great tool for me to learn to do that so mm-hmm. i'm 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 all for it if people use it correctly i'm all for it yeah when i was a teenager into my late i, I guess late teens early 20s uh, i i could feel that there was always somebody around me in, in the house in my parents house so i decided one day that i would see if i could find a form of communication sometimes i could hear them but i, I wanted you know a yes or no so i would take a quarter and I would ask them questions that I would know the answer to. You know, I would ask the question, flip the quarter. It would always, I would tell them yes or no is heads or tails, right? And oh, it would wow. always okay. come back down the correct answer. Very interesting. So I don't know if that was just coincidence or what, but I found that interesting. Very interesting. I've never heard anybody doing that before. Um, in terms of communicate, I know, you know, playing around, asking questions or, or guessing things, but not in terms of making communication. That's wow. I don't have much to say about that. Oh, then that's fascinating, interesting. And maybe you should do some more of that. I haven't heard of that before. I don't know if I that's want really to. Cool. <laughs> 
Now, why would you say that? Now, why would you not want to? What, what, what is part of, is that, what, 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 what does that bring up for you? Why did you say that? Oh, I don't know. I, I've, I've been haunted all of my life for the, okay. you know, fr from childhood up until my teen years, I actually shut myself down because I used to be an open, it was almost like I was a cell tower and I had all the, this <laughs> transmission coming into me. If you know what I'm talking about. Carrier towers. Yeah. You had all the different carriers co-located on your the co-locatable tower. You know, that's interesting. That happens to a lot of people when they were younger and something scared them. And because of those reasons, they don't quite understand what was going on and had no really um, context in, in which to understand it. And we all were like that as a child. I've, I felt at times there as well. So it does make us shut things down. It's another reason why we shut down. Well, now with your understanding and knowledge and your abilities and, you know, I guess time and a physical density does give us sometimes knowledge and information, especially when we're paying attention to it. Um, now you can go back into it and, and as you, you are doing, opening it up even more that maybe it won't be so scary for you. Mm-hmm. What I intend on doing, I actually bought a professional camera here. Um, Ooh, fun. A pro professional HD camera, and I'm going to get a board, and I'm going to place that camera directly right about on the board well, when we do that show, whenever it is, maybe next year. But, but I want my first experience to be with you. Uh, that, Excellent. That sounds worse than it is, folks. If you're just turn, tuning in, that's not what it sounds like, I promise. And I'm saying, excellent, yay! <laughs> <laughs> it does sound funny. But we're talking about the Ouija board. The Ouija board, yes. <laughs> Sometimes a Ouija board is just a Ouija board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's a great idea. Um, and I'm all for that. I, I have no fear. I have nothing but... Um, interest and excitement and curiosity and exploration, an attitude of exploration around the board. Now, if you're going to get a board, um, any kind of board will work. You could even make one out of a cardboard box yourself or a paper sack or a piece of paper. You don't necessarily have to have. It's really what you believe. But I'll tell you what, because I feel most comfortable and I have so many boards and, um, and I recently was gifted with this most gorgeous wooden board, uh, stained and high gloss. And I have pictures of it on my website as well as on my Facebook. Um, and it's just an incredible, and I love the board. And, but what happens is I have been using my 1973 board religiously because I just love that board. And so the, uh, the spirits and I tend to feel most comfortable with that board because it's just the board I've been using the most, mm. but you, but you can have, and I have many boards. I've, I think I have 14 boards now and I love them and I have them out. I look at them, their artwork. Um, people come to my house that aren't open to it. They don't even see them. People that are open to it go, Oh my goodness. Wow. Cool. What year is that? Where'd you get that? You know? And, and they don't have a fear of them. So they tend to notice them, but Truly, you can use, you can make your own boards. And then there's some artists out there. And I have some links on my website to some artists who make incredible boards. Um, and, and like, for example, one artist um, does all the sacred geometry to make sure proportionally this board is following the, the Fibonacci or the Phi series. I'm really into sacred geometry too. And I'm sure I'll be writing a book about that in the near future. But um, also, I know, another artist I know will take whatever characters or totem animals or or specifics or a theme you want your board to be and, and paint these incredible images on your board too. So there's people out there that do such cool work if you don't want to do it yourself. And then there's people that make their own all the time. And, um, and you really, you, you can fashion it out of a lot of different, um, 
uh, different materials. I know somebody who's taken a uh, picture she drew and then went and had it laminated, printed and laminated like Kinko's, and then took a uh, – uh, like an old um, CD disc, and the hole in the middle becomes where the, this, this indicator on the planchette, and the CD disc moves around the board. There's very I've seen very many innovative boards out there, and people that make their own too, and 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 uh, people like to show me. By the way, your listeners, go to my website and look under our the galleries, and under there you'll see photos of people with their boards from around the world. It's really cool. And if you have a picture you'd like to submit with you and your board, like a selfie of you and your board, um, send them in. I we'd love to share them and just tell me what what circle the board is and and you know if it, what it's made out of and anything you want to say about your board and. You'll see, you'll see some really incredible, unique boards up there. And you'll see people, too, with their traditional um, Hasbro or William Fold or Parker Brothers boards as well. It's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. The one I've been looking at, it's solid wood, and I believe everything is burned into it. I found this on Etsy, I believe it's called. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it looks nice. They're asking, I think it's $99 for it, but, and, and they're okay. custom-made. Nice. And what kind of wood is it? Do you know? Not off the top of my head. I'd have to get back to it. It's okay. What the key is this: you, who, when you pick your board, you want to resonate with it. Pick something you feel excited about. Um, pick something that that you know draws your attention to it. And maybe the wood doesn't matter so much. Um, I love this redwood board that a friend made for me and sent to me, and it, it's just lovely, and it has an incredible film. She also put crystals into the wood, mm. and oh, yeah. See, that's another thing you could do. You can add your own jewel, gemstones to it. People like to work with the board and use um, stones. Um, it, it, I usually rely on a candle. I, sometimes I have stones around. Sometimes I don't. It just depends. Again, it depends on what what – takes your energy to a receptive energy. And if the board calls out to you, that right there is is th- uh, three-fourths of battle, 75% you're there because now you're with, com- with some kind of tool you're comfortable with. The rest of it is mental and whatever you believe and whatever you bring to the table and to the board. And if you think that surrounding it with, with, the, with the nice uh, – uh, sm- smell of candles or, or certain types of sacred objects or – talismans or crystals or stones bring that to it too bob when you do the work and anybody i'm talking to everybody out there that is going to help if that helps you feel good and raise your vibration you're going to be met with that exact same vibration on the other side even if you're a little even if you're a little mm, a little little you have a little trepidation or a little anxiety about that's that's okay when you're new that's kind of natural that's okay it's human nature something new something mysterious but you want to ultimately feel good about your board so bob pick your board if that's the board you like get it and if that's calls to you, that's the one you're going to probably enjoy and use the most. Mm-hmm. Now, if you add on crystals, whether it's uh, quartz crystals or rubies, sapphires, whatever, to your board, mm-hmm. would that strengthen the signal? It, it can. It can. I always rule of thumb for me is is really my energy. People ask me, what's the most important part? Your board, your planchette, the crystals? I go, it's me. You are that wireless antenna. It is your frequency that you're broadcasting that you're drawing to you. It's not the board itself. However, having said that, crystals do vibrate. We have them in watches. We have them in transistor radios. They're used all the time. They have a vibration quality about them. And so I think that's a powerful stone. If you, if, if, now, you can 
overrule that vibration if you don't believe in it. Because you know people that don't believe in anything will never ever have an experience probably of seeing you know another spirit or probably even experiencing communication because they just have been able like you've been able to do and I've done throughout my life at times too shut off this part of ourself. So yeah, the, the crystal does vibrate. Having said all that, and it can help you, um, and it's it's a you know it, it it's a a clearing tool too. So another another stone people ask me about is uh, a grounding stone, protection stone, and that's hematite. Hematite's a great stone to use, especially if any spiritual pursuits you do. There was a time when I was, uh, gosh, I was in my twenties. I was really embracing and studying a lot of these. Uh, theories of stone work and energies and light work and really coming into some of my, my own empowerment. It was through a lot of the light work and the energy work I did. Many, many classes, many, many, many programs, many sessions, many, much reading, much research back then. We didn't have the internet at that time. And it was really going to the library and, or buying books. And I was voraciously taking in everything. And at that time, I remember carrying a lot of um, stones with me. And whether or not they they were literally giving me energy, which I do, they do have energy about them. Everything vibrates again. Remember, everything is vibrating. It was really, it gave me a, a reminder of their power, but it reminded me of my own power. And so I found that I don't really need to carry the stones anymore, although I still collect them and have them and keep them on my altars. And I still might put them out doing special ceremonies or rituals because it's a reminder. It's a reminder of our own connection. Here we are again, interconnectivity back to the elements, interconnectivity to the energies because we are actually just energy. So yeah, those things will help you if that's what allows you again to to work with your vibration and get your vibration in the right space. Well, that's interesting because like you said, we know that crystals are used in watches they're used in a lot of electronic devices. Actually, without right. them, we wouldn't have a lot of the electronics we have today. No, we wouldn't. No, we wouldn't. So. You're absolutely right. So that that really that was like a that was a that was a revolutionary <laughs> decision when we started using them in transistor radios. It was huge. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we have to remember that the, these these elements are used within our world. So everything's vibrating again. So even if let's say you even created like I I used to work a lot with clay. I did a lot of clay work, and I would create mm. figurines or, or objects and things. And and those I would use sometimes use in on my altars or in my special um, rituals and ceremonies. Or because for me it was something that I made from the earth, and I would dig the clay and I would make it myself. Or or if I even bought the clay, it's the fact I was imbuing my own energy into it as I worked and my intentions, my thoughts were going into it. So yeah, you those things uh, can help you too. So you can even make your own talismans. You can make your own sacred objects mm -hmm. if you prefer. Like this person who's making you a board. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I, to me, there's nothing better than homemade stuff. That's a, that's how I feel about it. So um, yeah, I, I love the idea that you'd be getting a homemade board. That's really awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, when you just mentioned that you like to make things out of clay, my mind just went to a horror movie where somebody would make clay dolls or clay figurines <laughs> and then get on the Ouija board and get the spirits oh, around goodness. and put it into the body of this clay object. And then uh, it goes around killing people, you know. Oh, my goodness. I remember watching that. I don't know what the name I'm was, but it was awesome. I don't know. I, don't know. I never saw that movie. Do you know the name of it? Can you remember? <laughs> no, I don't. It, it was awesome. That's it might not have been a real one, might have just been in my mind, but it was a good movie. 
<laughs> Probably like a B movie or something. Well, um, yeah, you know, um, that, that goes back to some um, people know as voodoo, you know, you make those dolls and stuff, you know, there's, there's something to be said about any kind of energy you put out there. Our thoughts are constantly creating waves, ripples, and waves uh, out into the in, out into the world. Our thoughts, just our thoughts and our imagination, are creating ripples into the world. That's something to really think about slowly and, and get a hold of, and think of that. Our thoughts are moving out in ripples into the world. Pretty crazy when you think about that. So we can affect and influence. It's like the power of prayer. And negativity, our negative energies, our negative thoughts can affect things too. So we really, um, you know, working in on these levels and working with this tool has really taught me also that I, there's a responsibility for my thoughts and my actions. And it's not just what's going to happen in my world. It's like, what am I putting out there? And I believe that what I'm putting out, there's a boomerang effect back on, on myself as well. Mm-hmm. So this doing this kind of work and, and the stuff we're talking about tonight really ha- makes us look at, at at energy in a new, whole new perspective, and that we really should be aware of our energies and, and that which what what we harbor within our imagination. Yes, does our behavior here impact the life we'll know elsewhere? Does it enhance our soul or maybe disintegrate our soul? Hmm. That's exactly it. I mean, it does. It goes both. It, energy works both ways, and it's really again our intentions behind it. Um, and we can scare the hell out of ourselves um, just by thinking of fearful thoughts. And so, a lot of times, people that ha- that have the abilities when they're young children that have the imaginary playmates or um, or, or see certain things that they just can't again, wrap their minds around it. They're, they, there's no context in which to place it and a, a way to understand it. Nobody around them just can see it or hear it. It's like that can scare people and that scares you enough to shut that down. It, I mean, there you go. Thoughts are really powerful. Thoughts can shut you down. Thoughts can shut other things down. And so we just need to be really mindful. We need to be mindful of what we're thinking, what we're focusing on, what we're creating within our within our imagination, and 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 also what are the energies we're, we're holding within ourselves? You know, I I, I ask everybody to really t- you know take take check of your of your feelings inside your emotions throughout the day and just, and just pay attention. Um, you know, are you often just worrying about things from the past? Are you ruminating over what happened ten years ago? Are you just thinking about your future? Or are you in the moment and are you looking at and thinking about feeling what you're really experiencing in the moment? Because the moment is truly what you're going to have tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We only have the moment and that's what's going to create tomorrow. So yeah, your feelings, your thoughts, these energies um, can go any and every way. You just, we just really have to pay. We have to be more aware of what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. This, that, that's what this book helps you do that, we're, that we were, ta- we're talking about tonight. The Spirit of Alchemy helps you do that. Yes. We'll be ending here in just a little bit, but I remember a particular part of your book. I don't know if you really want to get into it, but in some religions, such as that of the Norse gods, we've heard stories of kings having queen goddesses. Um, but, but in the case of Christianity, we both know that God doesn't have a goddess by his side, at least not that we know of. But um, mm-hmm. you claim to have had some sort of an experience with what you call a queen of heaven. Do, do you want to oh, mention yes. anything about that? 
Yeah, I do. That's that's the, yeah, that's important. So you're right. In Christianity, uh, what well, what you hear in, in Catholicism, and you'll see this in the on the altars in the front of the of the uh, chapels, the churches. You'll see Mother Mary, his mother, as the Queen of Heaven, and they call her the Queen of Heaven, which is interesting because that's his mother. And so you go, how does my mother like the consort of, of of her son? And so I think not. I think she has a valuable place. The mother always is a very valuable has a valuable. Place place. But I beg to ask everybody out there, where is Jesus's consort? Who was that? And I do get into that in the book. I'm not going to talk about that right here, but you might want to read that and see some of the things that I talk about when I get into that. Now, when when Bob's talking about the queen of heaven, um, there's a woman I met and it was through all these mystical kind of uh, synchronistic experiences, how I got to her. And Everything that I had been studying and leading me up to this point and things she had been studying before she even knew me, you know, 15, 20 years before, we both were on a head in our a head, a head collision here. We were coming to a collision and it was it was like the, the, the fates were singing and bringing us together. And it was I talk about the how the, the things came together. But this woman um, was 30 years my senior. And we uh, struck up a conversation because I was asked to call her and, again, some mystical experiences that happened to get me to call her. And it turned out we both were very um, focused on, on, a, on, a very, on a beautiful dance form known as, you would call it, belly dancing. Um, and we, what, what I was calling it was sacred dance. And it turns out she was calling it sacred dance. And, and nobody had taught me those words. I just had experienced the sacredness of this dance, that it was empowering myself as a woman. It was putting me back into the center of my being. And she was experiencing that without me for all these years before as well. And when we came together, um, she, we, we started talking and we started sharing our spiritual background as well. And we put together classes and, and formats. We taught the spiritual, we called it um, spiritual movement, sacred dance. And our first level was called the sacred geometry of belly dance. And we had other levels too. And so we were very much aligned in, in our thoughts on this. And I, had, I knew nobody else that was teaching dance in this level. And the concept was, is that if you align yourself with the sacred geometric principles within the universe and you dance in, with these geometric principles, principles within your body, you align yourself with the greater force of those energies behind these geometric principles. And everything in the universe is built upon geometry. That was a message I just received from my, my spirit friends recently, although I've heard it before, that the universe is geometry. And so sacred geometry talks about this. But so there was such an alignment with the two of us. And then she, she felt very comfortable with me. She finally opened up and told me, that she had uh, an incredible sickness that nobody could diagnose what it was, and it lasted for quite quite some time. And for several months, she was just flat on her back most of the time. This is way before I knew her, and she called it her, she called it after it happened her awakening moment. But what happened was this: is that she uh, was just so out of sorts, weak, no energy. They would call it fibromyalgia. That's typically a a um, diagnoses people get when they, it's free-floating they can't really give it a real name so they might just call it fibromyalgia because it's a catch-all for many different uh, ailments within your body aches and pains and you're you're just really exhausted so nobody could help her all these specialists couldn't help her so she went into her beautiful dance studio and just would lay there daily because it's it's gorgeous studio um it's like going into the temple it was just so beautiful i talk about it in detail in my book but so she was laying there and she tried to sit up one day and all of a sudden she felt this great force upon her back she wasn't afraid but she it was a person she felt an energy of a person and she recognized that energy because she said i've worked with this energy before 
And she said it was an energy of the great goddess. And the great goddess, she know she didn't know who it was at the time, but she was it was a great goddess energy because when she danced, she imagined that she was this goddess. And I was like, oh God, this is what I've been doing for years too. It's like, well, we're doing this in our own little bubbles and we, we finally collide with each other. Our worlds collide. And it turns out that the goddess said, we will become, and she heard this now auditorially. And then she saw these things visually with her eyes, not in her mind's eye, out externally in her world. She said, we will be coming to you every day and a different goddess will visit you and as these goddesses come and visit you we will give you information we want we ask you to write down and it is we're going to call this the gifts of the goddess and so she lay down every day like a good like a good student while she was recovering every time they came to her she felt better and better and they would come to her literally and she saw physical manifestations of different goddesses from around the world from different traditions it wasn't just greco-roman it wasn't it wasn't just you know the norse gods it wasn't just the the kuan yin gods of of the of asia or the East or Hindu gods. It was gods from around the world, goddesses from around the world. And they gave her information and she wrote it down and she wanted to share it with me. And so what happened was she said the main goddess that came to her was Anana Ishtar, queen of heaven. And I literally, my mouth dropped open and I went, what? <laughs> because the backstory is that was my favorite goddess of all times that I studied back in 1988, 89 in graduate school. And I became really familiar with this goddess. And um, she's a also associated with Venus. And I write a lot about this energy, this feminine energy in the book as well, because I want to explain that to people. People tend to see this as a negative dark energy and it's not. It's a very powerful enlightening energy. In fact, this goddess came to her and healed her with the other goddesses. So these were all physical manifestations. And I included that in the book of her story because as she worked with these goddesses, within herself, she she healed, she got well again. And then she also felt the experience of this masculine energy as she began to heal, come together with the feminine goddess energy. And she felt like she experienced what the alchemist called the Hieros Gamas, which is the sacred marriage of the red king and the white queen, which is a sacred marriage of the balance of the energies within. And so I explained her story in the book. She, she, we were writing a book together before she passed away a few years ago. And the book was including this information. So I had all all of her notes and I, I and bless her because she wanted me to write this and here it is and I put it in this in the story of this as well to share this with people so you could see ways in which the the feminine divine feminine energy as a goddess can come to can come to people and in her case it was Anana Ishtar queen of heaven and then the pantheon of different goddesses came to her mm-hmm. and this became the basis of the work we taught women and we we started working with the different goddess energies um, and, and teaching women how to embody this energy and to move about in their life so Bob when you asked me the beginning of my book was going to be based on that story and how to work with these energies for women. But then I realized this really needs to be for men because it's not about a gender at all. The feminine energy, the feminine goddess needs to be reawakened in the world. And if we reawaken her in the world, we start with ourselves. And as we do that, we begin to find that the mysterious is not so scary. The dark is not a foreboding place. And we begin to reclaim the recesses within ourselves as places of empowerment, of places that we thought were negative and bad and scary and fearful, such as, you know, not wanting to talk to spirits because it scared us when we were little. We go back into those places and pull those and allow those and welcome those back into our life. And then we begin to under, uh, experience the holism, the holistic aspect of ourself. Mm-hmm. We certainly and that story do. is what really resonated for her as her experience of how she did that. Hmm. Have you been in contact with her since she passed? 
Great question. I was asked this recently on another interview. She has not come to me directly, although she, she when I was doing the board, I gave her a lot of uh, information when we were together and working uh, for several years and uh, even after. But what happened was um, she died a real um, um, painful death. Uh, terrible cancer, uterine mm. cancer that spread through her whole body. And when she died, it was just very painful for her. Um, no, but I've received messages from her that she's very aware of what I'm sharing about her. And she's delighted. And um, she's she's told my spirit friends that she's just delighted and loving that we're sharing the, the, the gifts of the goddess, this, these messages out into the world right now because um, it's it's timely. So she's aware of it. She's it's in the background, but she has not come forth directly. And maybe one of these days she will. That was always her goal. And she said she would do that, you know. But then again, what happens, I find, when, when they go on the other side or the other realm or, be, or over the veil, their, their connection to the to their humanness, the personality, when they move forward is not always as they left it, meaning they understand that they don't need to interact. They understand who they may need to move on in their own evolution and that we can hold them back. So, yes, I welcome her and she knows that. But if she comes through, it's like um, either way. I'm, I'm very comfortable what she needs to do. Uh, she Her spirit lives on because her spirit lives on in the work that I'm sharing and these stories I'm sharing. And she, she lives on in my books uh, um, <laughs> for sure. She was a great part of, of the development of this book. Mm-hmm. So her spirit's definitely with me. It's certainly a great book. I recommend everybody go and buy it. A- at least go and rent it. I think you can rent it through Amazon as well through, uh, I you forgot can. exactly what it's called, but they have a program. Yes, you can rent it there. That's right. If you belong to that, uh, I forget the name of the program too, darn it. But yeah, definitely. All my books are there in that program. I do that on purpose. So you don't have to as an author, but I choose to because I really want the message of my books to get out there. And um, yeah, Amazon.com. If you want an autographed copy, go to my website, KarenAdalman.com, and you'll get an autographed copy. But you know, also, if you don't have the money, go to my website. There's all kinds of articles and a lot of this stuff we're talking about and videos and fun stuff like that. Uh, come join me on my YouTube. YouTube channel. I'm releasing videos right and left on, on mm-hmm. this information. You know, I think that's the name of it, though. Amazon uh, rent this book, d- darn it. You know, I, th- I think that's what it's called. Rent this darn book, it darn it. Com. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That's that's what it's called. Well, Karen, I've definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Karen, I've definitely appreciated uh, that you came here and spent this night with us again. Just like the last time, it's been a great honor to just sit down with you and, and hear your story. A great honor, Bob. That's very kind of you. Thank you, and I and I and I, I hope to come back again. And when you do your your board work, and thank you again, and, and to all your listeners out there, thank you. I, um, you're you're also a friend of mine. I a lot of you have reached out to me, and I and I appreciate that, and asked me questions, and reading the book, and um, excellent. And thank you guys for listening. And Bob, thank you one more time for having me. I well, love it. Well, thank you. I know one one or two people that listen to the show that have reached out to you. They've told me that themselves. One of them goes oh, by the nice. name of and I don't know if that's what oh. she goes by uh, uh-huh. elsewhere, but she says she's been in contact with you, talking to you about the yes. Ouija. And, that's right. And she's definitely interested in it. And as a matter of fact, she wanted to know if I'd be interested in joining up with her with some kind of a club, if you will. Because Ooh, are you in the same area? You should. That'd be a great idea. We are within the same area. Uh, maybe, maybe what? 80 miles difference, something like that. 
I'll tell you, people travel to come see me and I do too. And in California, people drive sometimes two, two to three hours to come to the sessions. And, and, and I, I've been known to travel a little bit too around to, to meet with the people that I use the board with. I, I, absolutely. If, um, you know, I know she's very serious about this work and is working herself through it. She's reached out to me, like you said, several times. We've had quite a few conversations about it. And wow, that'd be a great opportunity for people of like mind and, and, and also interest to begin to develop yourself with this tool. Mm-hmm. Do you ever make the way down to Nashville? No, but if I do, I'll let you know. Okay. You, you know, yeah, that, that would actually be yet. great to have a, uh, a Ouija session with an expert such as yourself. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> that'd be fun. And, and yeah, if my schedule starts changing where I travel more, you never know. Um, I am moving in that direction. That, that could happen. So I'm definitely open to that. I would definitely like that. But before we let you go, is there anything else you would like to share with the audience? I, you know, yeah, um, just, you know, happy boarding. Have a good time with this and, and if you use the board. And if not, you know, take the time to really connect with your higher self. That is your guiding light in life. That is the secret that's hidden within you. And if you can tap into that and, and, you, and you do already, but just acknowledge you're tapping into it, you will be met with just incredible resource, just incredible resources from within. And, and that's truly what empowerment's about. It's not somebody outside telling you what to do, or even a spirit outside you telling you what to do. It's connecting to your higher self. And that is where your true empowerment, true messages, true knowledge, true wisdom come from. And so I, I really wish that for everybody that they may have that experience as well. Well, that's great, my friend. And your website is karenadalman.com. That's correct. All right. Well, Thank you once more for appearing here. And everybody, go to Amazon.com or KarenADalman.com. Check out her book, The Spirit of Alchemy. You can learn how to bring out the feminine side, the feminine energy of you if you're a man, and the masculine energy if you're a woman. That's right. And, and we all have both inside ourselves. So it's about bringing them together and using them for your advantage, using them for you to be the best you can be in the world. Absolutely. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Karen A. Dahlman. And her book is The Spirit of Alchemy, which you can find at Amazon.com or KarenADahlman.com or simply going to thefarside.tv slash alchemy. And before I do end this show tonight, I do want to remind you that next Friday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, Richard Southall will be on this program live, and we will be discussing his book, Haunted Plantations of the South. So be sure to join us next Friday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. And uh, if you are a fan of the show, if you enjoy the show, drop on by the website at thefarside.tv and click on forum because I actually did start up a new forum and I decided that it was time to create a standalone forum for the fans. So with that said, until next time, I bid you all a kind farewell. <laughs>